0: This is in jesus and still be totally self-centered totally geared just to satisfy your own selfish desires and the reason i know that's the case is because i live there and so do you most of your conflicts are not existential conflicts it's i want this thing this would make me happy i want the other person wants the other thing it'll make them happy and then you fight about you say oh you're so self-centered
1: but they both just want what they want everyone deals with conflict From the global level down to issues within your family or even yourself, conflict is everywhere. But what are you supposed to do about it? How do you handle the conflicts in your life? Well, today, Pastor Daniel looks to the book of James to find answers to these questions. You'll discover that conflict is rooted in selfishness and that dealing with it is yet one more area where the rubber meets the road of your faith. Now, here's Pastor Daniel in James chapter 4 as he begins his message, Humility and Pride. Jesus is real.
0: Part of my job is to help everybody understand the Word of God, and part of that always involves like how you put a sermon together, and I'll be honest, like just confess to you all, I have struggled so much with how I wanted to open up today's message Um, mostly because we're doing this series called Where the Rubber Meets the Road, and James is really kind of laying out, like, what does life look like, and how should we live in the name of Jesus? But today's text, James is pulling no punches. Like, his tone is serious, and he's really kind of getting at it. And there's a part of me that wants to just tell you a funny story to make you laugh because I realize like we're getting into some some nitty gritty stuff here today. But I'm not gonna tell you a story to make you laugh. So this is what we're gonna do. I want everyone just to breathe in, big deep breath. You can breathe out too, go ahead. Breathe in again, go ahead. Okay, now when we breathe in this time, I want everyone to think we're putting on our big people pants today. Go ahead. All right, open your books to James chapter four. Open those Bibles, James chapter four, verses one to 10. We're just gonna dive right on into this. So I've been walking with Jesus for more than 20 years. I've been traveling around the sun on this spinning little round thing. If you're a flat earther, go back to science class, please. Side note, (laughs) for like 45 years. And there's, there's one thing I know about life is that life is full of people having disagreements. There is so much disagreement. And it used to just feel like people disagreed about certain things. Now people disagree about what? About everything. It's just kind of the way that it is. And what's amazing is, is in the book of James, the Holy Spirit explains to us why conflict happens, what the fruit of that conflict is and how to fix it. And so today we're gonna look at why conflict happens, what happens when it happens, and how to fix it. But there's one thing that I know about all of us when it relates to conflicts that we find ourselves in is the fact that we almost always never wanna take responsibility for our part of it. Now that's as old as the Garden of Eden, you all know that, right? Like Adam and Eve ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When God asked Adam about it, Adam blamed Eve or really blamed God for giving him Eve. Eve blamed the serpent. And because there was no one else, the serpent ended up with the hot potato. But, but everybody wants to blame other people. Now, here's what I want to tell you. In, in, very, in certain situations, conflict is completely one-sided. But those are the exceptions to the rule, not the rule right? But what I have found is that when conflict happens, people almost never own their part of it. They always just want to blame the other person, right? But what's amazing is the Bible is so full of God created us, God wants to do a work in our lives, and God invites each one of us to own our own stuff. And that's why this message is going to be a little, it's like James is not playing here. And what's also amazing is if you've been studying the book of James with us, James keeps saying, my brethren, my beloved brethren, you know, like he's, he's constantly calling them family, but not in this section. Like he, like he dispenses with all like the, my brethren, he's just like, this is where we are. And so look at what he says. James chapter four, verse one. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members you lust and you do not have You murder and covet, you cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Now, really what we learn here is we learn the root of conflict. And the root of conflict is selfishness. And pride is the root of all of this. Now, if you've been traveling with us, we've seen this all the way through chapter three, where it it boils down to the the earthly wisdom is self-centered. It's self-serving. It's based on selfish ambition. It's based on envy. I want what you have. The wisdom that is above is God-centered. It's not self-centered. And so it's other-centered. And now James is like, just to make sure nobody misses it, he says, where do wars and fights come from among you? Like, So where does all the conflict come from? Do they not come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? He's saying all of conflict is found inside of you and I and our own selfish desires for pleasure. The the word pleasure here in the Greek is the word that we get our word hedonism from. So, I, I remember when I, before I knew Jesus, when I was in college, people say, Oh, well, you know, what's your religion? I'm like, My religion is hedonism. If it's fun, I'll do it. If it's pleasurable, I'll do it. Right? And that was before I knew Jesus. And so, really, what he's saying is that all conflict is rooted in a self centered desire for pleasure that is in your members, which means it's on the inside of us. Now, what I think is really important about this is. We've always talked about it here in Crossroads. And I wrote the book Upward, Inward, and Outward off of the greatest commandment, right? Where it's like you love God and then you love your neighbor as you love yourself. Remember, that's upward, inward, and outward. The root of conflict is inward. It's something on the inside of you and I and every single person. It's desires that we have that is about what we want and what we desire and believe to be pleasurable. So war and conflict is the fruit of illicit wants. Now what's amazing is, is so much of the Christian faith is about upward, our relationship with God, or it's about outward, the way that we live in the world. And in some ways, the inward peace is like the missing link to the upward, inward, and outward framework that Jesus gives us. Our beliefs about God and who God is drives the ways that we see ourselves, our identity, which then how we see God and how we see ourselves now drives how we treat people. But really what happens is, is you can believe in Jesus and still be totally self-centered, totally geared just to satisfy your own selfish desires. And the reason I know that's the case is because I live there and so do you. Most of your conflicts are not existential conflicts. It's, I want this thing. This would make me happy. I want the other person wants the other thing. It'll make them happy. And then you fight about it. You say, oh, you're so self-centered. But they both just want what they want. You look at the cultural conflicts that we have today. Is it not all internally self-centered driven? Look at every political issue. It's all self-centered. Now, you could argue which one's better or worse, but in the end of the day, you can disagree and still not have conflict. You could not agree at how something works and still not have division. So what we find here is that the problem that we have is what is going on inside of us. And I'm here to tell you that every time you have conflict with somebody else... We wanna make sure we do not make the mistake of saying it's their fault, like Adam and Eve, but we actually wanna choose what the disciples did. Remember at the Last Supper, Jesus said, and one of you was gonna betray me. And it says that they all asked, is it I, Lord? Now, at that moment, it was only in the heart of one of the disciples, Judas Iscariot, to betray Jesus, but none of the disciples assumed it wasn't them. They were reflective enough to say, Is it, Lord, is that me? Even though it was only in Judas's heart. And for you and I, when conflict happens, it is convenient to say, it's their fault. They started it. They are doing it. But spiritual maturity, where the rubber meets the road, says, Lord, what part does my desires play in this conflict? So it's an internal thing. Now, what's amazing here is James doesn't just say it comes from your desires for pleasure that warn your memory. But this is what he says, verse 2. Because James is like, yeah, you want to really lay this thing out. You lust, which means you have passionate desire you do not have. You murder and you covet and you can't obtain. You fight and you war. So he's saying that the root of all this conflict is our lusts, our desires. He's saying murder happens, covetousness happens, because we have these desires that are so strong within us that it causes all of this conflict. Now, the Apostle Paul said almost the exact same thing in Romans 7. Listen to what he says, Romans 7, verses 23 to 25. He says, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into the captivity to the law of sin, which is in my members. And he says, O oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me from this body of death? And then he says, I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. See, Paul is saying, there's this law of love, there's this way to live in the world, but inside of me, there's, uh, there's another law that's at play. This law of the sin nature, which is ties me to my desires and what I want. And because of the desires of what I want, it creates conflict. And Paul's just like, "I am jacked up." That's what, "Oh wretched man that I am. "I'm all jacked up," he's saying. And the beauty for the follower of Jesus is when you get to that point when you look at your life, and for many of us on our journey of faith, wherever we began, at some point you hit the point where you say, I am jacked up, right? It's not everyone else is, I'm messed up. Who's gonna save me? Who's gonna deliver me? And then the Apostle Paul says, oh, but I thank God because of Jesus who saves me. But that is not only important for the journey into faith. This is still an important part of the journey of faith. Because there's nothing worse than when someone believes in Jesus and they think that they're the only one who's been perfected. Like, no, I'm in Christ, man. All my desires are perfect. (laughs) Just ask your friends. Because there's a part of us, because the presence of the Spirit of God within our the depths of who we are, now all of a sudden the Spirit of God checks us. He convicts us. He shows us, hey, this conflict is not about them. It's actually you play a part in this. And what's beautiful is just the way Paul talks about this law in his members that brings him into captivity of the law of sin, the old wretched man that I am, James does the same thing, because it starts with my issues, and then it moves into how God redeems. Because look at what happens back in James chapter 4. He says in the middle of verse 2, Yet you do not have, because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive, because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Now, what James does here is he says, You have all of these selfish desires... And so because of it, there's conflict and there's wars and there's battles and all this stuff, but actually all you need to do is ask God, who's the only one who can truly fulfill the deepest longings of who you are. And he says, yeah, you have not because you ask not. So he's saying, the problem with humanity is that we need to ask God for these things that we desire, and we can trust him with the outcome, but what we do is we don't ask God, we just choose to go get what we want. And we get it how we want it. It doesn't matter what everyone else is. This is what I want. And he's like, but yet you, you need to ask God in prayer. But then James takes the next turn. You're like, oh, so God's going to give me everything I want? Oh, contraire, mon frere. No, because look at what he says. Did I just speak French? I did. Yes. Good for me. What does Mofra frere even mean? Anyone here speak French? No? Okay, I don't know. That was fun. Anyway, look at what he says. You ask and you do not receive. Why? Because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Now he's saying, God is not going to give you everything you ask for. God is going to give you everything that you ask for that lines up with his will for you in Christ. But sometimes we ask, for the wrong things, for the wrong reasons. And God, as a good father, loves you enough to say no. So if you ever wonder, like, why isn't God giving me what I want? The question should be, is my prayer about what I want, or is it about what God wants? See how powerful that is. So we have two options where the rubber meets the road in life. There's the things that you want and you trying to get it no matter what. That's what you call pride, and that creates conflict, all sorts of battles and wars and issues, right? Or there's, God, these are the things that I want. What do you want for me? And what I will tell you as somebody who I didn't, have not always walked with Jesus, and I'll be honest with you. When you walk with Jesus, we still have these, all these desires that are going on. We're not even conscious of some of them. Some of them, you know, we we shroud them in religious language, but it's still just straight self-centeredness, right? What I have found is the only thing that truly fulfills us is not us getting what we want. It's God fulfilling his purposes in our lives. And I'm just not saying that because I'm a pastor. That has been my life experience, My life experience has been one of getting everything that I always thought I wanted only to find that all the things that I got that weren't God's will were completely unfulfilling. No amount of party and no amount of success, none of it truly fulfills the deepest parts of who we are. And that's why when you get there, you're like, this actually doesn't get it done for me. The only thing that will truly fulfill you is God's perfect plan for your life. And I'm here to tell you, When you say, God, I want your perfect plan for my life, then you have to abandon your own chosen outcomes of what you think your perfect plan is for your life is. So I don't think it's wrong to say, hey, this is my five-year plan, as long as you write your five-year plan in pencil, subordinate to the will of God. Like, have goals and dreams, and then end it with, if the Lord wills. Because if not, you end up doing all sorts of things, creating all sorts of issues, but it's really Jeff's selfishness, self-centeredness. Now, from there, so we see the, the source of conflict, which is our own inordinate desires that are within us, that are self-centered, right? Then look at what happens next. Because now we see, like, once this thing starts to blossom in our lives, this life of Seeking after self-centered pleasure. Look what he says next. So this is verse, chapter four, verse four of the book of James. Adulterers and adulteresses. Ouch. There's no beloved brethren right now. Just calling us out. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scriptures says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously, but he gives more grace, therefore he says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Now, here's what I would say. What this teaches us is that you and I, we need to choose your friends wisely. You need to choose your friends wisely, and so do I. I always love that phrase. I tell my kids it all the time. You show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Someone along the way, maybe it was Norman Vincent Peale, said, you are the sum total, the average of your five closest friends. That's how it works. Because we are influenced by the people around us. And, the, and, our, and our closest friends have tremendous influence on our lives. They're the ones who give us advice when things are challenging. When we have tough decisions, those are the people you ask. And whatever your, your five closest friends are, that is gonna be the, the average of the best advice you get. And here he's saying that for you and I, James is saying that you can make friendship with the world or you can make friendship with God, but you can't have both. Now, don't miss, I made a joke, adulterers and adulteresses, that's kind of nasty, isn't it? And all through the scriptures... We think of the idea of adultery as uh, somebody who has a relationship outside of the covenant of marriage, but it is used in a spiritual sense for people who are cheating on God. They believe in God, but they actually are having relationships with other gods, and it's all through the prophets where the the idea is it's a spiritual adultery that's going on, and James is using the exact same idea because what he's saying is that, listen, he's saying if you are a friend of the world, then you're an enemy of God. Now, the idea of the world here, because we know that John 3.16, for God so loves the world, is not talking about the mass of humanity. The world is a system of life that is designed not around the glory of God and the blessings of humanity, but is designed around life and rebellion against God. So it's almost like you have sin nature that now becomes codified and systemized in society. That's the world. And really what he's saying is that you, if you want to be a friend of this world and the system as it exists, because in case you haven't noticed, the system in which we live in is not built on God's glory and the betterment of people. It is built on self-centeredness. The system isn't the problem. The people in the system's the problem which is what we're seeing here again. Like, it's not other people. It's like, my heart and my selfishness is the problem. Your heart and your selfishness is the problem. Now, when your selfish heart and my selfish heart and a society of selfish hearts gets together, it creates a system that now the system is broken. And so the world is a system of a culture that exists based on the lies that we believe that now we can either choose to make friends with so that we accomplish the things we hope to in this world, but he's saying, you can't have both. You can't really live in both. Now, isn't that nasty? Because it's a hard teaching, and it opens up a huge can of worms for each one of us about who we are, how we live, and what does it mean to follow Jesus, because there's no culture in all, in all of human history that isn't a system that is not designed on glorifying God and blessing other people so it's not like it's just us it's like in, if you were born in Mesopotamia back in the day if you were part of the Greek Empire the Roman Empire, if you live across the globe, if you live in the United States of America wherever you are, there is a world system that is not designed to glorify God and bless other people and we are all living in the midst of it
1: Jesus is real Pastor Daniel closed out this teaching with a reminder that you can't align yourself with God's ways and keep following the world's system at the same time it just doesn't work that way you've got to choose one Pastor Daniel reminded you that the things you think will fill you up and give you satisfaction well they would never really pan out in the end so what's it going to be? Will you continue trying to get your own way by following the world's broken system? Or will you turn to God and let him lead you into fulfillment and peace?
0: Hey everyone, there's a lot happening in the world and it can keep you pretty busy. But I want to encourage you to take some time and devote it to your spiritual growth. I know God wants to do something in your life. And I'm excited for you to discover exactly what that is. Come join me for a worship service at Crossroads Community Church online so I can share the Bible with you. Join me online at crossroadschurch.net or find me on Facebook Live.
1: We're so glad we can be a part of your life through the ministry of Jesus Real Radio. Would you like to be a
0: part of what we're doing? We would like to ask that you prayerfully consider becoming a financial partner of this program. Your contribution, no matter the size, will be used
1: to reach people with the gospel message. Find out more at JesusIsRealRadio.com. Thank you for partnering with us. Next time on Jesus Is Real Radio, Pastor Daniel will press on in helping you understand God's perspective on conflict. He'll share that humility is the cure for conflict. But this can be a hard pill to swallow. It's hard to let go of being right. As you'll learn, humility starts with being honest about where your heart really is. You've been listening to Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco of Crossroads Community Church. Pastor Daniel will continue teaching through this series, where the rubber meets the road. Until then, may God bless.